Podcast. I'm your host, Double Up, and we're here to connect perspectives. Today, we're tapping in with a very special guest, good friend of mine, Kyle Sheehan in the building. We're going to be discussing everything from his journey to his current perspective on why health and wellness is important, why we need to take care of our mental, and how the overall landscape of America with the pandemic and the protests is affecting both. Let's tap in. Over the linebacker in the A gap, or you know, just destroying a blitzing safety or something to that effect. It's more, what's your technique, you know? And I was trying to take a lot of the the hurt that I had from my personal upbringing, a little bit too much of the totalitarian uh, father figure from my dad. And I so I tried to uh, I tried to surround myself with better figures that would be able to show me how to win longer in something more sustainable as far as being a teammate in in terms of your second part of your question i would say that the sooner you can learn um that it's not about domination it's about being competent within whatever you're doing competent within your role as an athlete as a teammate um as a father brother you know husband it's that's the move um because i think a lot of times we don't know what we don't know until we learn it so we got to do the best we can to build you know, lived experience, but also, again, lean on the wisdom from others before us. No, that's that's a fact, G. And, like, when you, when you talk about having those brothers and having your father around, um, does this shift, does this change your perception of masculinity or um, what you feel like it is to be a strong man? Or do you still feel like um, I am setting a new definition for what it is to be a man like what's your whole perception on that yeah you know i can understand the instinct to want to try to uh, better understand what it means to be a man or kind of change cultural or so so mm-hmm. i'm gonna get him right back i got my nelly wi-fi going today g It'd be crazy because I swear I pay my bill on time every month. Shouldn't be no questions. But we good. Or uh, hypercritical of other people, but I think being a man uh, carries a whole range of situations, showing compassion, um, taking care of those uh, in need, taking care of um, the elderly, taking care of your own family, uh, people within the, your own sphere of influence. Um, and yeah, I think like, you know, there's a weird thing going on in society where, and it's understandable, but uh, with the feminist movement, you know, women are gaining a lot more um, opportunity, and, and it's kind of cool to see, right? Because it's just a different perspective, different voices, and things of that nature entering the fold, um, and entering the fold at a, lo- a much larger scale than, than in times past. But I think that it gets it gets odd, or it's hard for me to understand when. You know, I think it's okay to have a little bit of chivalry too, open the door for a woman, because I think that, you know, that just shows you, you, you find them to be precious, not 
not incapable of taking care of themselves or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think that compassion and that, um, that appreciation for like the opposite sex, just in this example, um, I think that, I think that should underscore masculinity. And, and I think, uh, you know, other things like competence, taking, again, taking care of your lot, just things like that, that I think they can be, um, I think they can be revitalized in culture today and, and maybe uh, reimagine. There's a lot of times people think that people will chalk up nefarious means to what can be attributed to ignorance a lot of times. And I, that was a huge revelation for me. And what, I think a lot of times. When you say nefarious means. Yeah, so a lot of times people will behave in a manner where, for lack of a better word, a man will, will be an asshole. And it's largely due because, in my opinion, that he hasn't addressed whatever trauma is underlying that. So he takes it and projects it out onto the world. And a lot of times it's a bitter, resentful, you know, uh, possession that he's just not come to terms with. And I think a lot of times people chalk that up to the person wanting to be angry or that person is just fundamentally an ass. When in reality, you know, we're all battling something. And I think if we can deploy that compassion to other people it's and we can use that ability to discern what other people are going through i think it disarms them and i think it allows us to connect with people more as opposed to what society really is leaning on today which is just writing people off at face value and the minute we start writing people off we'd all be written off if we're telling you know the truth so yeah and that's it's been much more pushed back on the council culture recently and one thing that i always well, I want to unpack a few things you talked about. So when we look at the feminist movement and we look at women wanted, wanting to be um, appreciated, respected, and included in positions of power and, and decision makers, I think that that comes from the right place. And we have to, we have to be completely aware of the history and how uh, women have been subjugated and disrespected and uh, we we just really haven't even allowed them to to fully thrive in society how how men thrive so when I see the pushback and the the fight for feminism I know that there will be people who go overboard because we did as men we did a lot of the damage and so if we're looking at the people who don't want just um, some equality out of it or they don't necessarily feel like just a, a seat at the table is good enough. We need the seat at the table and we need to make up for what we lost. And so I got I got Kyle back now. What I was saying, Kyle, is women feel like not only do we need that seat at the table, we need more. We need um, to make up for what we lost previously and what we didn't have access for. And I think that is what um, becomes a bit more adversarial to us as men. It's like, all right, now the women aren't asking for just um, equality. They're asking for the man's position. And it crosses over from just the business world to the household. And when we look at how we interact with each other, it, it largely comes from how we interact with society and what um, just what effects we've had from social injustice or um, gender injustice. Like when that stuff piles up, I think that 
it, it creates a, a disconnect in the household if it's not a, a safe, vulnerable space. It becomes another opportunity for um, for both sides really to just kind of flex and and really just hold their position of power and say, hey, I know what society has been saying um, I'm supposed to be having, but this is how I feel like I should be representing myself. Um, women really feel like now that I got cowed back again, man. My, my, my connection been a little unstable today, so I think I may reroute. But no, I think we're going to be good to finish. And so, Kyle, what what I want to throw it back to you on is when we're thinking about the fact that I women were in a hole. And so now they're not asking to be just here. They need to make up for the gap that was lost before. Do you feel like that's a valid statement? Or do you feel like we all just need to recognize um, that there was those transgressions before and that now we just need to move equally as we should have been before? That's a great question. You know, I think I think you kind of answered it within the question as far as I'm concerned. I think like, you know, I, I like to look at things from a psychological perspective. I think that's the base, uh, the base condition for how we do anything. You know, how how do we arrange our mindset? How is our personality formed? And I think that, you know, there are traits that inherently lend themselves to more of a masculine disposition and there are traits that inherently lend themselves to a female disposition. That doesn't mean that um, your interests can't then align with um, traditional roles that have been held by men or, or roles that have been held by women, right? I mean, because you're... Mm-hmm. No, and I think once you go with what's, what's natural, what feels like it's in your essence, then you do it a lot better. Like you're not trying to contradict your essence or try, trying to contradict your value. You're, you're able to walk within that path and add the value that you need too. So it, it's not about um, necessarily feeling like, I right, this ain't a job I can't go for. Nah, you can go for that job. Um, within the social framework, and how are we working better within the social framework to kind of connect um, connect the dots and recognize that we're all like an integrated web of skill sets and we got to work together so that, um, again, I, I don't know what you caught there, what you didn't, but I think it's, it's prime to focus on what we want and not what was lacking in the past. We should recognize it and we should fill in those gaps. But I think, you know, criticism is kind of cheap, right? Because everybody can criticize nowadays. Everybody has a voice and everyone's voice is magnified. That's kind of the paradox of social media. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a voice, but at the same time, everyone has a voice. And, you know, at times I don't need a voice because I have bad opinions or like I'm not informed um, and things of that nature. So I think that we can't just stop at criticism of the past. We need to work towards positive solutions in the future. And we also need to make sure we're doing so on good, sound evidence. Evidence that, in my opinion, is scientifically based, um, but also takes into account uh, the dynamics of things that are changing within our so- sociological environment, um, the environment uh, geographically, and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When these, with, with so much being fluid and so much changing, especially right now, um, where do you find yourself in terms of um, my own 
self-accountability and being responsible for how I react in situations, um, but then also having that that environmental awareness and knowing that um, what's best for me may not be what's best for society or what's best for everyone. How do we how do we look past ourselves but still be but still do what's best for ourselves? It's a great question. I think you know self account accountability and in having environmental awareness. I think those are intimately linked, and I think that if we understand that everything works in kind of like a cyclical fashion. So if we're mindful of the things that we consume um, and we don't get imbalanced in that, we don't over consume both bad food, bad information, um, just information that's kind of, you know, like tabloid fodder type stuff, reality TV, you know, just stuff that more or less is a distraction from working towards anything of substance. You know, there's a time and place for that. But I think that when we, when we can move away from that overconsumptive mindset or instinct and we can start to create and give back as much as we're consuming, I think that that kind of levels things out and works back more towards a homeostasis. But in terms of like self-accountability, if I can work to a point that is of high, high moral standing, then I know that what I'm doing is right for me and then if I can find an overlap between what's right for me, also coinciding with what's right for Will, then then I think that you're linking and you're understanding how integrated we are within, first and foremost, our own houses, then our neighbor's house, and then the broader community as a whole. Um, but I think it comes back to, first and foremost, controlling what you can control. Um, and, and it starts with the mind, then it goes to nutrition, then it goes to movement then it goes to recovery, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's, that's just kind of my take on that. No, that's that's real. Because if, if we're not able to, to fill ourselves up with both positive thoughts, um, positive people around us, positive um, just content overall, it, it really does change and, and programs us differently. And a lot of things that we see in media and that we see um, in advertising and in social media too, it, it sets our mood for the day or it, it changes our mood when everything was going okay. Um, what, what are your thoughts on media programming, um, just the overall landscape of content and the effect that it has on our mindset and and what we plan to make happen day to day? It's a great question. I think first and foremost, we make a lot of assumptions, right? And some of these assumptions we make without even knowing, because um, a lot of stuff, a lot of the actions that we take on a day-to-day basis um, are largely driven by our unconscious. So I think that we sometimes make assumptions without realizing that the media or news outlets have our best interests at heart because they're making us hyper aware of what can keep us alive or what's going to keep us safe because look at all these threats coming at us but really it's just uh it's how their their financial models are and their incentive structures so if you look at the the largest uh advertising bodies it's like auto which is oil and gas it's linked to oil and gas Mm -hmm. then you have alcohol and then you have pharma and so what's going to what's going to make them the most money is going to be attention attention is currency so eyeballs 
Well, those eyeballs are definitely going to be on if you cater to primal instincts of telling everybody what they should be afraid of. Mm-hmm. If it bleeds, it leads. So then its base structure economically um, is corrupted, in my opinion, because it doesn't tell the full picture of the human experience. It shows you what's lacking at all times. You know, you, you could be better if you bought this product. You would be better if you upgraded your vehicle. But is that is that sustainable for the planet? Is that uh, are you telling me alcohol? which is uh, a co-contributor to almost all violent crime, almost all criminals incarcerated. Uh, You can look at alcohol being some contributing factor to um, what potentially led to their incarceration. Um, You look at uh, pharma, like we don't even need to talk about the opioid epidemic, but just hyper corrupt. And and I'm not saying there's not a place for pharma. There's not a place for automobiles because everybody needs to transport themselves to their their livelihoods. but at the same, and, and pharma does need revenues to be able to develop drugs that will be advantageous for acute outbreaks, vaccinations like we're seeing right now with the whole COVID situation. But, um, but I think in terms of public trust and looking at what we're consuming, I think, you know, I, I tend to not, I don't like tribes. I, I understand the need to be a part of a team and, and to be um, interconnected with my community. But I think when we strive for truth as our barometer, as our guiding compass, I think it allows us a neutral position. Trevor Mawad does a lot of good research on this, like the neutral mindset, uh, who used to work like at Tre- XO. Trevor Mawad, yeah. Yeah, I knew yeah, that yeah. name sounded familiar. Uh, great book uh, called It Takes What It Takes. And that's kind of like that neutral mindset or operating from a point of neutrality. It gives you optimum mobility, right? You mm-hmm. can move and pivot in any direction based on the information. And I think that that'll allow us that freedom and autonomy to work towards a more competent culture, a more competent community, instead of, I think a lot of times, especially like, I want to be delicate here because I'm, I'm sympathetic of, of the whole movement that's going on. And um, I, think, I think a lot of times people who are ignorant of their own position or don't want to feel left out or don't, or don't want to feel like they're mean or insensitive they will placate or say what they think the other person wants to hear mm-hmm. as opposed to just being honest and earnest in saying, Oh, I don't really know about that. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Or can you, can you tell me what your experience has been as opposed to, you know, I just, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm at uh, with all that. I mean, it's like, if you are not wrong or haven't done anything wrong or have no reason to, to, Yeah, to really question or think that it could be a major issue, then yeah, you probably live in a society or a reality where you don't have those issues, but that's really not the reality for a lot of us. We got Kyle right back on now. So we're going to get into this a little bit more because that's that's a great point. Media does have a lot to do with our overall perception and okay yeah we got Kyle back in now um to 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 that point what you were talking about and how fear kind of affects our perception and it changes um how we move the conversations we have do you think that is it's a fear of of being of of having your mind changed is is there a fear of your your reality not being 
correct or yeah. is it really a fear of of hurting feelings? Because my my thing is is like I I always understand that people don't want to offend other people, but I don't think it's 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 safe or smart to allow people that just have this false reality. So if you're not trying to offend somebody and you never really challenge their thoughts or have them explain what they mean, then they never get to a real comprehension of their thoughts and their feelings because it's, it's, they never unpack it. It's just like a, a statement that they put out or it's a, a post or it's a, a video or whatever. And from there, a lot of people get mad when they have people question them or or challenge them or, or come at it. And it's like, one, you didn't have to post this at all. You could have just kept it to yourself. Everything that you think doesn't need to be posted. But when you put it out there, it's for engagement. It's for the people who you follow and I follow you to respond and give their take on it. And so when I think about uh, the media's programming and, and how it's, it's so different if you watch CNN, if you watch MSNBC, if you watch Fox News, like, all of these stations will give you a f completely different perception of the world. And um, it's, it's rare that people even flip the channel and watch the other. I, I watch Fox News just because I really want to see what the side is. I, I just want to know what the conversation is. And and honestly, it's some things that I hear. I'm like, all right, that makes sense. Probably only happens like 5% of the time. But <laughs> uh, it, it it does happen. When I think about my own views and how I know a lot of what I've been able to do in life has been because I just bust my ass, I worked hard, I was a good person. Um, I, I also am hesitant to act like that's the norm or that that's um, what, what society has made tangible for a lot of my friends or a lot of my family. And... I can't say that I worked harder than them. I can't say that I was smarter than them. I can't say that I was a better person than them. All I can say is God blessed me. I was in the right place at the right time. And that's how my life played out. And so when I think about people who I know who were in the wrong place at the right time and how that just completely changed their trajectory and how they never had an opportunity to get back in society and and earn a, a, a living, much less pursue a passion. Because to pursue a passion, you got to be out of survival mode. You got to be past poverty. And if, if you never pass poverty, selling somebody a dream is pointless because I can't eat, bro. Like my, my, my household is struggling. And when we try to move past poverty and... We know that society is set up to where majority of corporate and even manufacturing America is run by white people. We know that, okay, we have to probably make them comfortable with us. We have to make them feel like they're not threatened, make them feel like um, there's nothing that's going to take away their power in order for us to have a chance at a happy life. We can get a piece of that American dream, but we never want to threaten them so much to where they feel like we can't get none of the American dream because we know what it was like 
I could talk to my 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 great grandmother still alive, and she could tell me stories about slavery and um, things that her mother told her. And so it's like to know we're not as far removed as like a lot of people say when they say four hundred years, especially, and to know that a lot of us succeeding had to be with with making white people comfortable and making sure that we don't do anything that is offensive or that sometimes it's just us sometimes just our our essence us being around them is offensive and so when you're walking on eggshells in life it creates a different type of anxiety that isn't the same as like somebody who is white and has struggled through life or came from poverty because I know a lot of people that came from poverty who are white and just the conversations we have they're a little bit different in terms of social anxiety like when when I'm at Exos I'm probably going to be perceived as an athlete one because I'm still in pretty good shape you know what I'm saying I still like to look like an athlete uh, but two there's no other black men who work and and in the office side, much less in leadership positions. And so when you see a, a young black man around the building, oh, that's an athlete. And that comes from your previous programming, your perception of what not only is expected at a gym, because yeah, a lot of athletes are at a gym, so I would probably think that young guy's an athlete, but two, oh no, I'm probably not gonna assume that he's an engineer like that's that's probably the furthest thing from my mind i might think he does something else but an engineer nah i'm not gonna even fathom that until somebody else tells me that or until um i introduce myself to them as that and so uh a question i have for you is like what is your perception of of black people being able to 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 have the american dream currently and then also your perception when it comes to what what what's your implicit bias towards just young black men that you you grew up with mm-hmm. we got to get this wi-fi back boom because that was a great question i ain't gonna lie <laughs> so i think he caught the, the ending of it so we're gonna have cow roll right into the question because I can't just have a conversation and let's not touch on the real things, the real topics and, and Kyle is like you say somebody that can give a real insight on this stuff so we're going to let Kyle Wi-Fi kick back in and we're going we're gonna to keep this conversation rolling because it's it's important but while we got a break we're going to shout out my sponsors real quick, shout out to Real is Rare uh, my homie T Spit always got the new merch available. Uh, we come with a whole lot of just flavor this summer, and when I tell you, it's, it's it's really about setting the brand apart because it's not a brand; it's a fact. You hear me? Got to stay authentic. Got to be yourself. So, real is rare. Make sure y'all tapped in with us. Make sure y'all following us, and we gonna make sure that anybody that's trying to be a part of the movement. Get some merch. Tell a friend. If you can't do that, just share a post. That's cool. That's all we be needing sometimes. But back to the broadcast, man. I think it's important that, that, that white men especially understand that just because 
you see a young black man um, who doesn't fit the mold of what you think is uh, this is how you have to carry yourself to be an engineer or this is how you got to carry yourself to to have a position of power. Nah, I don't got to do none of that to make you comfortable, bro. Like, all I really got to do is be righteous. I got to be real. And I got to have something of value, something of substance that I can always add to the situations. Because if, if it ain't that, if I ain't adding nothing to it, you probably wouldn't bring me around. And just the fact that I'm around, that lets me know that, yeah, you're trying to use me. You're trying to find some return on that investment. So I can't never just 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 downplay myself and make me feel like I'm I'm asking for too much or I should be more humble just because I'm here early. I'm here early because I deserve to be here early. And I'm gonna sit back, I'm gonna I'm gonna see the scene, I'm gonna survey everything, and I'm gonna make sure that I put myself in a position to not only um accomplish my dreams and and, and get some money out of the situation. But but to also inspire some people, let them know that we all finna do this, bro. Like this ain't something that's gonna be a, a individual thing. We in this together, man. But we got we got Cal back in the stream now, so I'm gonna throw it back to him. We got got Cal back on now, so we all good. Yeah. So just to uh, refresh the audience on the question, I was asking um, number one, what's what's your perception on on black people being able to um, get that part of the American dream in modern day America, and then also, what was your what's your implicit bias or things that you 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 recognize now that kind of molded your perception of young black men as you grew up? That's a great question. It's a very very complicated question too. Um, I think when it comes to Im- implicit stuff in in people i think a lot of it has to do more with exposure um in in what you've touched in your life and what's been presented to you um and then only through more and more exposure can your experience broaden and you can have kind of a fuller picture of things but when you were talking about your question earlier like what people might think of uh whomever they come into contact with uh at exos or in any place really um whether it be black white asian person of color you know, whatever, what I try to do is like, I think it's probably because how I've shifted my, my conception of what I want in life and what I value. And I value truth above all things. Um, that doesn't mean that certain interactions don't leave me feeling different than others. But, um, kind of one thing I learned is, uh, from Soren Kierkegaard, who was a philosopher back in the day, he said to label me is to negate me. So if I look at Will and I go, oh, Will's probably an athlete or Will's probably this, I've reduced you as a human. Mm. I've dehumanized you right out, right out the gate. Mm. Um, let so me, let think- me hold you on that point, bro, because that was so powerful to me. Because, like, I, I find myself fighting or wanting to be recognized as an engineer. Like, I'm elevating that part of my life as if it's more important because society has put that in my mind. But, yeah, that was a powerful point, bro. Keep going. Yeah, man, I try to shed that, too, because I had that a lot. At Exos, when I started to produce quite a bit, um, I was like, well, I want to be a director. And then I had to audit myself, well, why do I want to be a director? Is it because I want the honor of the title director, or is it because I value the title director because of what comes with it? Mm -hmm. You know, so it's like, 
all that ancillary bullshit, it doesn't really matter, man. Like, to be honest, it really doesn't. Like, now I'm going into this conversation knowing you as a human being. Mm-hmm. I like what you're about. I like your compassion. I like your thirst to continue to challenge yourself to be more. And to me, I do see you as a black man, but I don't see, it doesn't affect me. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I've, I, maybe it's because I've been around black athletes most of my life. I mean, I, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, played in, in Lawrenceville for a long time where I, I was kind of the minority, so to speak. And then I went to a, a predominantly white team um, at Grayson. And then I went to a predominantly black team at Purdue. And then I went to a predominantly white team at South Dakota State, where I literally played with African-Americans from the Congo who had immigrated here. So it's just like, I think exposure is crucial, man. Like, I I think exposure is crucial. And I think we get into a situation in society where life is so complicated. I I think we deal with issues of complexity nowadays. Uh, We're hit with so much information. The turnover is so rapid that we are often, we think we're in survival mode when maybe we may or may not be and so we have to simplify and we feel compelled to judge and label and, and re- but it reduces. Mm-hmm. So if we can like resist that instinct and try to see other people for what they are, it, it, it invokes an intentionality as opposed to ignorance, as opposed to, you know, just, just being on that hamster wheel of, of survival, just trying to stay on at all costs. And now, I'm, now I realize my situation is different, right? You talked a little bit about it in your question a lot of it's your blessings that you received and knowing how to tap into those. A lot of it's luck. And I think the weird thing about life is the ambivalence of nature. I mean, nature doesn't really care. That's the weird thing. My, my two-year-old cousin drowned. I mean, what's he, he was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Um, and we're all, we're all struck with those afflictions. But instead of allowing those afflictions that we, we come to in life to weight us down, if we can like become intimately acquainted with all the bruises and the bumps and the scra- and the scrapes that we endure in life, that's going to lead to the greatest healing if we can leverage them, you know, and, and to recognize how you've been hurt, it, it evokes that empathy, right? And that, that empathetic instinct is only going to allow us to move forward as a culture together, right? And so I think like while this whole climate is hyper uncomfortable, I think the biggest thing to do is just to recognize that there are different rules i mean there's just there's different rules for different people and we need to shake that um because if we're truly equitable and we uh we want people to have equal opportunity so that they can yield whatever outcome in a free society in a free market create businesses build capital um to leverage their community whether it's black asian doesn't matter um i think that that's only going to allow us to be more competent to play better long-term games um, to take care of the environment and uh, yeah that's just kind of my take on it no nah, dude that, that's powerful man and it reminds me of a an analogy um that somebody told me a while back and it's like you got so you got this world and it's just two families and the whole concept of this analogy is that racism is really built out of a uh, struggle for resources and so what the analogy starts with is there's a pill so like there's this pill magical pill if i give it to me and my family we'll live for 100 years or i could split it with a family and we'll live for 50 years and so 
the thing is, it takes us 40 years to find another pill in the world for us to continue to live. So, do you keep that one pill to yourself and have half of the manpower to go out and find another pill so you can live forever? Or do you sacrifice and have twice the manpower to go after these resources that you all need? What What are your thoughts on that? I think sacrifice is a pivotal aspect of the human condition and we don't necessarily know why you know you look back at ritualistic sacrifices and you might chalk that up to ignorance and not being not being a culture that had discovered you know science and logic and reason and things of that nature but i think it's on some level it's a grounding right Mm -hmm. sacrifice doesn't have to be animalistic rituals it doesn't have to be you know things as extreme as that that you might that you might think are extreme but i think it has to ground you in a sense of gratitude and now i kind of want to tie this back to one of the things we talked about before i think i think criticism is easy and cheap especially when you've not been exposed to certain elements of lived experience and it's a it's a youthful instinct to have these grandiose ideas of how you can take a system and make it better instantly mm-hmm. especially especially when we really focus on all the grievances that have occurred throughout history because they are plentiful, Mm -hmm. right? And so, but I think it's a misapprehension of it because to understand America is just an idea. It's an idea, but it's predicated on sovereignty of the individual. Now that's that's where the distinction lies in this whole movement. We need sovereignty of the individual for everyone. What's your definition of sovereignty? Um. Your right to, I mean, I think it's its written into the Constitution, but it hasn't been put to practice right, in, that, exactly. in that manner, right? Like, it's yeah. life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. That shows no distinction over color of skin, and let's right. not make any, you know, let's not, I'm not going to mince my words. It absolutely meant early, uh, early on, back when it was instantiated, um, that all men are created equal. I think we all know that that meant white landowners, mm-hmm. you know? It didn't mean everyone. But, you know... That's incompetence, in my opinion. It's incompetent ignorance, and it also goes into the the inner workings of how our economic system was structured. Now, I, you know, I want to like obviously Abraham Lincoln, great president, and all that, but I don't know Abe. I, obviously, nobody does personally. But was was he was his hand forced because economically, the advent of the cotton gin mm-hmm. created a created a, a, a fracture a fracture in terms of how we operated economically in this country back then, because then that made the slave labor completely null and void. You could do things far more efficient and you didn't have to have slaves. So that, that was putting the pressure on it. So did he do it because he was noble and altruistic or did he, or was that the story that was told? And I mean, to some degree it doesn't matter because we just need to change things now for the betterment of everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, But to get back on topic, I think we have that instinct early on to criticize things that we may not yet understand. And so we want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I think like we are a network, an integrated network of so many skill sets, such diversity and such variety that it really leverages us on the global scale. And instead of maybe thinking that we need to do a complete overall, this is why I advocate for putting your own hard-earned dollars 
into black owned businesses that you really value or minority owned businesses that you really value because you can see where your dollars go as opposed to this is why I don't play the political game, man. To be honest, I don't like it because they don't have my best interests at heart. Even as a white male, they don't care about me. I'm a cog. I'm a very blue, blue collar person. So what I want to focus on is how can I, this is my life goal. I want, I want to impact people to such a degree that they're willing to, to be inconvenienced to show up to my funeral, but they will anyway, mm-hmm. because I left such a mark on them in terms of just purely adding value to them because I knew that was the right thing to do. It's called the categorical imperative. Emmanuel Kant put that forward. Um, it's treating things as a means in and of themselves instead of an object that you're trying to get something out of. So I try to invoke that because I know that if I do that, that's going to resonate. That's going to be a good vibration. That's going to send out good energy and who knows what type of compounding effect that might have. So I guess what I'm just trying to say is the world is so complicated that to simplify it, just try to have some gratitude, even when it doesn't work, challenge things that don't make sense. And then just continue to focus on simplifying and adding as much value as you can. I think that's just, that's manageable. Hmm. And that's, that's real too, bro. Cause like how I always, well, not always, but how I recently started to structure my life is pouring into that individual pouring into that specific moment instead of always trying to pull in so many additional factors or so many previous thoughts and conceptions about what I expected to happen in this relationship or in this encounter or in this opportunity. And when I think about just current race relations, and it was a important point you made when the constitution was made, it was for white landowners. And you previously stated how you're you come from a family of Irish immigrants, and so what what was your perception growing up in terms of uh, what it meant for your family to have to work and have to do what you have to do to make your dreams come true and not feel like you have the white privilege that people talk about because. A lot of the pushback when I have conversations with people about white privilege is like, bro, I had to bust my ass. My people was poor. We didn't have nothing given to us. My people's never owned slaves. Like, so I don't, I don't really understand none of that. What, 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 what are your thoughts when I, I don't want to like project that onto you? What, what are your thoughts yeah. when you think about uh, just white privilege and knowing the, the struggle your family had when you got here? Yeah, no, I completely understand the the instinct to create that that distinction of white privilege. Um, I think it's it's kind of shitty for someone you know like me who who never came from colonial you know ancestors who owned slaves. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I haven't benefited from some type of treatment because people presumed that and made that assumption about me. Um, then again, anyone who just looks at me, they don't. It's not like my rap sheet pops up above my head, my driving record, mm-hmm. you know, things I've done to get in trouble in my life. Cause I've been in trouble. Um, and I've learned from it. Fortunately, maybe I've had opportunity to learn from it that created a little longer leash than other people. Um, but yeah, my, I think only like four, anywhere from four to six of my generations have been here in America. So first of all, it's not far enough back to even 
have been in uh, in the time of slavery here. I, I don't believe if memory serves me correctly. And then Irishmen, just a, like a, a quick summary on Irishmen, they, they were very similar to, to black minorities and African-American minorities in, in the U.S. in terms of they would actually work for the lowest wages early on. They're very, very working class, uh, even below working class. And what happened was, was they were, they were leveraged as political pawns. So the Democrats back in the day um, recognized how, how Irish immigrants were coming here in waves. And then they realized, well, man, there's a lot of them in these communities. We need to get their vote. Mm. So, so they were leveraged as political pawns, but then they were given opportunity through that. Mm. They were given opportunity to be beat cops because it, it was considered like, hey, you police your own hood. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I don't really want to do it. Um, and yeah, white Protestants, you know, they subjugated the Irish because the Irish were Catholic. Dude, that was the biggest at the time back in the day. That was the biggest clash. It was, you know, the Pope. And then it was everyone else in the world, uh, Protestant Americans. So um, and so they didn't really trust that notion of, of Catholic Irish in America. Um, so you can see throughout history, like there's always where there's someone who can be corrupt through power, it, it will happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. But it's then having these conversations, and I think that's what's great about technology now. You know, you can you can BS someone about your story back in the day, but now you can quick look it up and <laughs> verify it. Um, so I think that it holds people accountable. Um, but when it comes to implicit stuff, this is where it gets weird. I would just try to really... It's, it's kind of... It's kind of like feel good and sentimental, but man, Martin Luther King's quote about judging people by their character, that'll always hold true, not the color of their skin or whatever, whatever, whatever other arbitrary labels might define someone. Because man, I've had people from the most unique, weird looking, you know, circumstances that at face value be like, that doesn't make sense. Do the most for me. And I've had people from the most affluent circumstances neglect me the most, you know? So it's like, I don't know. Um, I just try to treat people. Yeah. And that, that's how you got to carry yourself, G. And it's important that that stays consistent because it's easy to get um, just on a different path based off of new information and completely changes that. When I got Cal back now again. When when you talk about basically being that political pawn, um, Irish people, um, I see it a lot, especially with it being election season and how there's so much pandering to the black community. And I'm like, bro, I, I, I know what's real and I can see it. Like, I've always prided myself in being able to read people. And so when we think about our struggle as black people and when I talk about the the history of it, it, it it's always so so watered down in our school systems and the way that we learn about it. And I believe it's a hundred percent to make white people feel comfortable with what happened. Like it, it's not to Maybe. act like it didn't happen because they have to acknowledge it. If they didn't acknowledge it at all in textbooks, a lot of shit just wouldn't make sense. And so. You have to acknowledge the moments, but when you you gloss over it and when you make it seem like, oh, these people, they struggled, um, but now they have opportunity, they're free. It kind of makes it seem like 
it's in the same grouping as other demographics who came over and had the struggle. And, and it wasn't the same. It was like black people were literally, first you're, you're bought and sold as, as items, not as people. And then from there, you, you have your family split. And not only are you working for, for no pay, not forget low pay, no pay, you're, you're subject to be murdered, to be tortured, to be raped. And, and these are the things that when we don't acknowledge the long-term psychological effects of them and how they, they trickle down generations after generations, it's like when you talk about black people having issues with moving up in society or having issues with trusting police or having issues with um, just mental health, and then you you downplay what caused it. It's like, how can you, how can how can you righteously say these people, um, is is their fault? Their that is is still in your hands. You still control your own future, your own fate. When one, we have psychological effects from the trauma, and then two, the systems that were put in place have only been built upon since the times when the people were subjugated. And so now, like, you have the opportunity as, a, as an Irishman to move up in society and still not feel the same type of social anxiety that comes from, I, I wasn't even allowed to be here, like, 40 years ago. And so now that I'm here, it's not just me. I got to represent all of my people. I got to make sure that how I carry myself is the best of us because this is the only opportunity they may have to engage with us. This is the only opportunity that they gonna have a conversation with a young black man and somebody who can really interpret and, and give them the perspective of the hood and the people that's struggling because otherwise it will never happen. And so I look at the, the stages of disconnect being so crazy, bro, because if we have, um, say white man, in a position of power decision maker. For them to even have a conversation with a young black man from poverty, that young black man, one, has to escape the streets. He has to make sure that he doesn't become a victim of gang violence or police brutality or end up in jail. Then you have to make sure that you navigate college, normally somewhere where you don't have a lot of black people to have that support system to make sure you stay on the right path. And then you also have staff members who marginalize you, who make you feel like you're probably just an athlete. You probably shouldn't even be thinking about all of this this grandiose idea of being a doctor, a lawyer, or engineer. So once you get past that, now you actually have to <laughs> pass your classes. I have to become an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer or whatever that is, businessman, whatever it is. Then I have to, I have to get blessed with the opportunity to get a job. Like I've done all of this, I've escaped poverty, I've survived the social anxiety, I passed college, and now I still might not even get a job. And so, if I get a job, let's say I got a job now. Now I have to make sure I keep them comfortable enough to continuously elevate me. Meaning that I can't always be as real as I want to be. I can't always have a bad day. 
I got to be on point so that I can elevate through this company. And then, then maybe I can have a conversation with that person of power. And maybe they might understand what I'm talking about. And they might want to make some change when they have time to. So you see, like, when we're talking about that, bro, that's that's like a crazy disconnect that when when people who are in positions of power see things on the media, they don't have somebody they can directly have a conversation with in that community. And if they do, that person is trying to be so safe to keep that relationship with that person of power that they can't be completely real and they can't tell the full spectrum of what's going on and how we can change, bro. So I know that was a lot, but I just wanted to paint that picture for you because it's not so simple as um, people knowing the problem and changing the problem. It's like the disconnect is so huge and the people who have the ears of the people of power are always the people who are still connected with the hood. So, yeah. so it doesn't no, I, change. I, those are crucial points, I think, that are the cornerstone of, of the conversation of, of what happens politically sometimes with, you know, the culture of meritocracy that a lot, oftentimes you think like, oh, well, just if they just work hard, it'll, it'll, their path will become clear for them. It's like everything you just outlined, well, I've been thinking about a lot lately, man, because just like, one, I'm intellectually constantly curious about a lot of ideas and i think it's super important to become the most autonomous person you can to try to be a polymath Mm -hmm. inform yourself on a variety of topics it'll keep you sharp it'll challenge you but to that point i think you and people like you who are in positions that you're in now have not only succeeded in spite of circumstances but despite neglectful aid i mean like I, i really think that you know, people people think it conceptually in their minds. Oh well, we 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 ended slavery back in you know the late eighteen hundreds, right? And then oh well, nineteen sixties civil rights movement civil rights movement came into play. They've had they've had rights for for you know x time of years now. So they kind of minimize that, mm-hmm. and they don't realize like just because you end slavery now, the momentum of getting things leveled takes a long time you think you think people who were racist back then just like woke up and like all right slavery's done now i'm not racist (laughs) like that shit doesn't happen but people neglect that because again like it's kind of what you said it makes them feel uncomfortable that perhaps somehow they could be tied to something so dark Mm -hmm. so ignorant so neglectful so dehumanizing so marginalizing that they that they somehow feel interwoven into that even if they didn't live during that time period. But the way that you the way that you don't feel those things are to try to have everyone achieve a level of wealth. You know, the words we are in wealth. And I found that super ironic. And now it's kind of, you know, a quiche, right? No, but, I like that one, bro. I like you know, that I mean, one. like, I, understand, yeah. I don't understand why. That, I mean, it's a derivative, I'm sure, of something Latin or Greek. But mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating to understand that, like, literally – when you can leverage wisdom from the past, share it, impart it on other people, converse, have conversational currency like we are, mobilize ideas, and then recognize it doesn't matter. Like the black community winning doesn't doesn't like it doesn't affect me. It doesn't mean Kyle and the white community loses. Right. I, I just I think that's such a famine mindset. Um, the only thing that I would hope is like during any movements like this. 
there there are bad actors, right? There's mm-hmm. bad actors in movements that don't involve the black community. There's bad actors of all of all sorts that will infiltrate and co-op movements for their own selfish agenda. And so what I hope is is like if we're truly going for equity, it doesn't prop one group up over the other. It just starts the conversation and ignites it to reinform so we can move beyond it, man. Like all, all these movements, the thing that the thing that gets me is like, and this is why I get out of the political space. It's like if 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 blacks and minorities are truly successful in gaining the equality that that is deserved, what happens to all the money that's in those organizations? Mm-hmm. What happens to them when they hitch their wagons to those things? Because then their identity as the person that spearheaded it goes away. So sometimes they need to keep the. It's, it's kind of a sick thing about human nature. Sometimes they need to keep the issue the issue mm-hmm. in order to continue to have meaning and value as a person. I think that's crappy. You know, that's just, it's a bummer because then, it, then it's like, are we focused on the actual solutions and getting them for everyone? Or are we focused on just something else, you know? Yeah, and it's a lot of symbolism that goes on. And uh, when... When you address the important point because the Black Lives Matter movement it, it has been co-opted and one thing that I always challenge people is to recognize the message instead of criticizing the organization and so with any organization whether that be uh, the NAACP uh, whether that be any group of men fraternities, sororities, whatever you got a group of people, right? If they have a mission or a plan, it has to be put into words. There has to be a mission statement. There has to be an objective that everybody agrees and complies to. And so the objective of Black Lives Matter as an organization, when it started back in 2014, was about police brutality, specifically police brutality and criminal justice reform. That was it. You know what I'm saying? And so one, one like take and way that people criticize Black Lives Matter is like, well, why aren't you there for the black on black crime? Or why aren't you there for this or that? And it's like, one, I know you really don't care about black on black crime, so don't try to distract from the point. And two, that isn't their objective. That's not their mission statement. That's not what they said they were going to try to attack. And so once that is understood, then that gets rid of one distracting conversation. Um, From there, it's like now we have people who have been the bad actors, the people, the the Antifa and the Anonymous, and people who try to attach on to the Black Lives Matter movement because they have their own agenda to bring down the power structure. When us as black people like being killed in the streets and being unfairly sentenced, we're just like, hey, we just don't want to be killed and we don't want to be stuffed in prisons. Like, all of this other stuff y'all talking about, yeah, we can get to that eventually, but, like, don't start rioting and don't start burning things down in the name of that, in the name of capitalism. Like, we're not here to fight for capitalism, bro. Like, this is not what we're talking about. And so... Once they're co-opted, it allows people to live in their, their comfort of being against Black Lives Matter. Because, yes, all lives matter, obviously. But we've heard all of the, the, 
the cliches and the posts. It's yeah. like, it's not about, oh, it's about we. It's about, we're not saying we better. We're saying we just want us all to be able to have the same opportunity. So we know that. And for people to consistently double down and try to say, well, no, it's not Black Lives Matter. It's all lives matter. It's because you're taking the organization take. You're taking the, the organization and finding the ways that you can um, criticize them and point to actual facts because I'm the same person. I want to follow the money. I want to make sure that they're doing what they say. And when I see something that ain't right, I'm like, nah, I don't really rock with the organization, but I'm all for the movement, 100%. And so when that argument comes up, all lives matter versus black lives matter, it's like, why would you even want to take a position against somebody saying that black lives matter? It's like, why is that even a versus? Why isn't it all lives matter and black lives matter? It's like, why can't you be chanting both? And it's, 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 it's interesting because to me, it highlights an innate, an innate feeling where you're actually saying how you feel. Like, you're trying to have some nuance and you're trying to stay safe and have a support behind you of people who are saying the same things. Even, you know, all people who say all lives matter have completely different agendas. You know what I'm saying? Some people really just are so uninformed that they don't understand why people are saying Black Lives Matter. They only see Fox News, so all they know is like, damn, they burning shit down. And so that's one group. And then you got a group that really just hate black people. (laughs) And so those are all being grouped into the All Lives Matter. And so when people are saying like any type of disagreement with Black Lives Matter is taken as, oh, you're a racist. If you don't agree with Black Lives Matter, you're a racist. And my take on that is, I just need you to explain yourself. I ain't going to say you're racist. <laughs> I just need you to explain yourself. And so when you see the conversations around people posting and going back and forth, all lives matter, black lives matter, like, like what are your thoughts and, and plans to just get a solution? It's like, all right, as soon as I see that, I know they're caught in the weeds. Because mm-hmm. you can chalk it up to multiple things here, right? Like, if you just look at black lives matter the statement the fact that there would be a movement that would feel they need to create a movement based around such a simple and obvious statement to me shows that there's something going on in the times right like for that to resonate and to carry so much black lives matter comma two like mm-hmm. that like duh like that should be it's almost like sometimes things are so obvious to us or at least people who don't you know who, who I'm in full agreement with the statement, it's so obvious to me that it shocks me that it has to be reinforced or we have to re, you know, reevaluate it. And uh, I think a lot of times people who want to, de- you know, detract from it, um, detract from pro- police reform, um, disproportionate policing in black communities, um, they want to advocate, like I hear the most ignorant arguments, well, black people commit more crime. That's actually inaccurate. The types of crime committed are very different. Black people and white people actually use drugs at a similar rate, if not a greater rate, based on certain substances being used. Um, there's a study done in two, 2017 um, in uh, what? Where was the? Where's a spot in Missouri that had Ferguson. that had the Ferguson mm-hmm. um, about jaywalking, mm-hmm. and it showed that I think black uh citizens in ferguson made up like 45 something percent of the population um 
but yet they were responsible for being uh, for receiving citations for jaywalking at 90 some percent uh, greater than white people living in the same area. So that's built on that point. I'm glad you know that, bro, because yeah. what, what makes that even more dangerous is because you get a jaywalking ticket and then you don't pay the ticket or you don't know that you have an appearance in court. Now you have a warrant out for your arrest. And so when you have that police interaction, it's like, whoa, why am I being arrested? They're like, no, nah, we got a warrant out for you. For what? And you're asking questions and you're getting physical. Now you're getting slammed. Now you're getting tased. And that's, people don't see how that slowly builds up, bro. But keep going. Yeah, and that article was, uh, was amazingly insightful because it just shows uh, as well, like at times maybe we have far too many laws. Because, I mean, I think there's some staggering statistic. The average person, white, black, yellow green commits five infractions on a daily basis on average (laughs) five criminal infractions whether it's misdemeanors or something else Mm -hmm. but that's a little i mean i i I understand that to preserve um some of the ideals of of the way we are able to operate within society you need law and order but you don't need to monetize you don't need to monetize law and order Mm -hmm. to the degree that we have in this country and you don't need to monetize law and order um at the behest of what it'll do to minority communities because also like uh, a point you touched on before that that i wanted to address is like i look in texas and i am dumbfounded by a lot of the houses here right like it's so it's so gaudy and i'm a free market capitalist i believe that's a great path for anyone to be able to change their situation but damn man i look at it and i'm like it makes me wonder if billionaires and even ultra millionaires if that's just resource hoarding and we live in a time of a pandemic where we we just tabbed our first trillionaire i think it's just jeff bezos but yet but yet but yet we can't get a one-time wealth tax for for people when we're living during a pandemic 1200 that's good we're gonna call it good Hmm. like but yet but yet the people that are helping to enrich a person like bezos are deemed essential workers (laughs) right right we, we have these intellectual justifications in society today that, that to get back on topic to your, your initial question here about all lives matter and this and that, people will announce their insecurities if you listen close enough without them even realizing it. They'll tell you who they are if you're listening. And so what I think we should do with those people, you don't magnify their voices, you turn their voices down, you don't cancel them because you want to know where the cancer is in the human body. Mm-hmm. You want to know where the cancer is in culture. Um, and I think that that's pivotal to do because also – you know, there's a great, there's a dude out there doing some unbelievable work, Daryl Davis. He goes and converts KKK members. Really? Do you know about this? Nah, he's a jazz musician and he's building a historical museum with all, like, so what'll happen is, is these people will convert and they'll give them, they'll give Daryl their KKK uh, memorabilia. Mm-hmm. And he's making this, he's making this like museum. That's his aspir- aspiration uh, to do with all that material. But, what baffles me is like, I, I do believe that every person, even if they've strayed from like a noble path, I do believe that there's value in it, right? I do believe there's value in the human spirit. So I think like it's important to understand how ignorant those people are. And it may not be your or my responsibility to constantly educate them, but at, at some point, I hope we can learn to understand them too. Now, this whole thing is not about the ignorant people that want to detract for, from the movement. It's more about understanding people who have already been marginalized. I'm fully aware of that. But, like, man, it's just gross ignorance. 
I think it's gross ignorance, uncomfortability. And I hope in the long run we don't lose them too because that's how I think we'll eradicate it by just, you know, better education, hopefully. I'm an optimist, so I hope that's what takes place. And, yeah. No, that's that's my same stance on it too, bro. Like, I'm, I'm optimistic and... Sometimes I, I find myself getting mad at myself for being so optimistic. It's like, bro, yeah. check reality, bro. Like, why are you always thinking that it's all good? And it's like, nah, I reinforce it to myself. Like, nah, it's going to be all right. Like, I know I just done been through a lot myself personally and I've seen people go through so much that I, c- I can never just get so much into the moment that it, it kills me, bro. And, like, that's... That's a challenge I have when I think about people who have the the conservative mindset and want to keep the status quo um, versus people who want to be liberal, liberate everything and everybody. Like, I try to find some balance that I think is going to be effective, that I think is going to be morally right to me, make sense to my conscience. Um, I know you say you stay out of politics, and I I do too, bro. But it's actually just something that we still got to deal with no matter what. Yeah. Um, we got to pay taxes. And so I'm like, if yeah. I got to pay taxes, I might as well have some insight on what's going on with my tax money. Um, yeah. What are your thoughts when you try to evaluate candidates and um, knowing that you probably want to align with either party completely, but you got to pick somebody? Yeah. Man, I'm a unique person in a lot of ways. So I'm fiscally conservative, socially very liberal. Um, I I tend to subscribe to the Judeo uh, Judeo Christian ethic as it relates to truth and the logos embodied. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what that means is like truth embodied in human form, uh, articulated truth. Mm-hmm. And I believe that. Uh, I could get real deep on it, but I'll try to keep it simple. Yeah, go I into think, it a little bit, bro, because I don't know what you mean. Okay, so what I'm saying is I think I think the left and the right are trying to annihilate themselves or trying to annihilate one another, like in terms of politically. But I think if we look at society as a whole, it's a representation of our biology. Mm-hmm. So, so our brain, we have the left hemisphere and the right hemisphere. Mm-hmm. And I think that everything we see based on personality disposition – things we act out in the world it's just a projection of our neurobiology writ large at scale so you have the conservatives who are maybe a little bit more left brain right Mm -hmm. they're they're they want to know what's mapped out they want to do what they're familiar with they want systems and processes that they can understand and then you have the creative types the progressives the right brain thinkers that have the dream that create art because they pontificate on how something can be more beautiful or better or more aesthetically pleasing or driven in a different direction or or more inclusive for all, right? So essentially, in my opinion, what happens in society is the right tries to eliminate the left, the left tries to eliminate the right, when in reality, that's like cutting off the corpus callosum of your brain. Mm. It's It's like separating the two hemispheres of your brain when in reality, we need to integrate them to understand how to make things better. Mm. And so I think that, you know, my mom had a really compelling argument when we were just chopping it up. We were like, we get so tribal in this country that the left would rather see the right fail than see America succeed. Mm -hmm. The right would rather see the left fall in line and destroy them at all costs than really be about what they're about. Mm -hmm. So instead of having these like really 
pandered, posturing, placating debates to where one side wins and the other side loses. At the end of the election, why wouldn't we advocate for whoever wins the ticket to have the other party be their running mate? Mm. Because then it's like forced cooperation. Yeah. Like one of the greatest movies of all time, Remember the Titans. How did they get them to work together? Forced cooperation. Ex- forced cooperation. Why? Because, mm-hmm. oh, then I'm going to see Will as a little bit different. I didn't know Will took, I didn't know Will had that. There's our common ground. Mm-hmm. There's our commonality. Mm-hmm. Because until we do that, we're going to still have this polarized type operating system. Nah, that's, man, that's powerful, bro, because I, I completely agree with the projection of how you explain in our brain hemispheres. And when when I first heard that, bro, I visualized it in my head. Yeah, I'm like, I got my red side and my blue side. And and when I look at society and just that whole breakdown of our emotional side versus our logical side, and um, do you think that that was intentional or do you think that that was just like, it, it kind of morphed into that because I've learned more history about the Democrat Party, um, some propaganda from Fox News, I ain't gonna lie, and then some just on my own research, like, damn, all right, this is facts. This is what the Democrat Party actually did, and they never really reconciled or really spoke on. And um, when I think about the things that we fight for and that we ask for in society, they somehow end up working against us. Like in the in the sixties and seventies when they started the welfare programs and they started the public housing programs, all of this ended up being counterproductive for the black community. And so now we have these large housing projects with thousands of black people um that are over policed, that don't have access to health care, that don't have access to quality education. Um, and then the over-policing leads to that pipeline of prison. And on top of that, we have the welfare system that was set up so that a woman wasn't even allowed to have the man in the house in order to receive welfare. So she literally had to break up or kick the man out of the house if they wanted government assistance. And I think that's a dynamic that we have to be very conscious of as people um, when we ask for, for the government's help or the government's aid, it's like we got to map out the long-term effects of this. And it has to be done in in unison with the people. It can't just be this is what we're going to do for this subjugated or oppressed group of people without them speaking for themselves on how it's going to be played out. Um, when I also think about things that are more conservative, like, like gun laws, um, I'm very, I'm, I'm going to say very, but more recently I've become pro-gun. Like, I feel like everybody should have a means to protect themselves. And before, I was very much against guns because in my hood, just growing up, that's how I saw all my friends or family members either go to jail or die. It was, it was gun violence. And I'm just like, bro, we don't need all these guns around. And it's, it's so, like, fluid when it comes to guns in America and how the NRA is so deeply tied in the politics and the legislation and um, not really seeing, I don't personally see a path where there's going to be a repeal on on guns themselves 
maybe more limitation on automatic weapons. I think, but that's going to be a hard, hard fight to win just because there's so much money around it. Um, and then the the last conservative aspect I think about is um, like my taxes. And so, yes, they contribute to those public expenditures like the public housing and like the welfare system and things that people need, Medicare, Medicaid, things like that. But when I look at the systems and then I see how overall they don't really bring the people out of that position of poverty like they were like they were told. It's like it's 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 a balance I'm trying to find, bro, cuz I know I grew up sometimes we had food stamps and we needed them food stamps and I know my mom worked her ass off and then when I heard people talking about uh Baby mama's using up all my tax money on welfare. It's like, bro, watch your mouth. Gee, like, what are you talking about? Gee, this is this is what the system was set up for to help people like me. But then I also have cousins who don't do the right things with they with they checks and their money, and I don't blame them because I know the system wasn't set up for them to win. And so if they find a way to survive, that's what it is, and that's where a lot of crime comes from in our communities. Is that these systems, they aren't set up for me to win. Like, I may have, we may have food stamps, but we can't get great food with these food stamps. We can't go to a fresh food market or nothing like that. Or we can't have access to the best health care that we need. We can only get access to the, the, the local Planned Parenthoods that's on every corner and things of that nature. And so um, the conservative side for me is 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 really in balance because I want to be somebody that's in control of my life, that has control of my money, that has control of uh, just what goes on in my household and what my family is subjected to. But then I also know with so many people who need liberation, bro, so many people who need these resources and so many people have been victims of gun violence and who don't have access to healthcare. It's like, how do you stay how do you stay balanced knowing that you got that need to hold on to your personal morals but knowing that it's people who are being so badly oppressed by the people who have your morals that it, it don't seem right that's a very very deep complicated question but I'll try to, I'll try my best to answer it I think first and foremost I try to look at it within the context of the whole. Is it the is it possible for us to create a perfect system? I I think if you look at a perfect system, I think on paper communism is appealing, right? Because interwoven into the word, it's communal, it, it it's inclusive, it does a lot of things. Uh, I think what's this? What's the Marxist saying? Uh, I don't know. Many, you know what Marxism is, Because I don't know what Marxism is. I haven't done my research. Mar- what, what uh, is Karl it? Marx. Yeah, Karl Marx was the the founding father of of communism, mm-hmm. basically, uh, and the communist revolution. He was a German philosopher, economist, and mm-hmm. uh, did a lot. Uh, but I want to say late eighteen hundreds, um, ni- early nineteenth century. But uh, it's uh, to to many according to his ability, to each according to their need. And if you just listen to that that sentence, that is beautiful. That's, that's, that's that sound right. <laughs> that's amazing, right? But there's a huge, huge problem with communism because it it neglects 
it neglects the human proclivity to, for incentives to mm-hmm. want to try to to try to pursue um, and move in a direction of betterment, of growth, of innovation, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's why America is. It's like there's a saying that democracy is. Um, is oh, what is it? It's not the best, but maybe it's the best that there is right now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, because it, it's it's the worst except for all the rest. That's what they <laughs> say. Right. That's what they say. It's the worst except for all the rest. And so when I was taking political ideologies in college, I learned like America is a democratic socialist republic. Uh, it's a democratic republic with social tendencies. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. like we have Medicare, Medicaid has to be there. Um, we have um, social, social security, which, which is sacrifice like we talked about earlier because it recognizes the inherent value of the elderly in a society that gifted the younger population uh, at least a framework with which to build their own lives on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't want to neglect the question that you asked. I do think that – so I think we need to recognize like – this is a good system, but it gets corrupted by people who care less about progress and care more about preserving the structures that will allow them to remain in power. And now that happens on both the left and the right side. That's why I asked earlier is like, what happens if we get the solution that we want? Mm-hmm. What happens if we get the solution where everyone is equitable in society then? What mm-hmm. happens to the people with hundreds of millions of dollars in donations to organizations that have now solved the problem? Yep. Are they incentivized to solve the problem or are they incentivized to keep the problem going so they, they continue to earn donations? Mm-hmm. It's weird, man. It's weird. Um, so that's why, I mean, a lot of these co-opted movements, it builds distrust with the base lay person mm-hmm. who then will will deflect from the, the earnest nature of the movement by saying all lives matter mm-hmm. and all this BS, right? Because it's that's a given. You don't need to say it. Right. <laughs> So then it comes back to the political question. Here's my thing. It goes back to young people. Young people challenge things, understand that it's your right to find your voice and you absolutely should. But it's okay to also check your hubris a little bit, check that that proclivity to be arrogant because it's so easy to recognize the missteps in society. Mm-hmm. Check that in favor of humility, man, because I think if we look all the way back to 1776 with the first president what made america very different as an idea was not that we we overthrew an oppressive taxation force but it was that george washington stepped down he didn't become a king Mm. that's weird man yeah that's weird for the times that's a humility that goes no i we have a successive carryover of power it changes hands Mm -hmm. and for us to keep that that link going and then to elect a person of color yeah man there's a lot of shit in this country that needs to change and a lot of a lot of ways we need to go forward but the worst thing you can do with any idea with any system is to throw the baby out completely with the bathwater. Yeah. because because this thing has existed for 200 and almost 50 years now not even that long not even that long and we are very very liberal as a country in terms of the global scale man mm-hmm. there's people still getting stoned right across the pond yeah. for, for doing some base stuff that in America, you know, it's a misdemeanor. It's a right. speeding ticket. It's a, you know, and it's, it's, so it's like, now, does that mean we still can't criticize to make things better? No, but 
criticize with a little humility too to understand that that this is an intricate fabric that's all connected you mm-hmm. know and with that criticism i think that's that's interwoven into the fabric of america criticism for the better which turns into protests which turns into rioting sometimes um when i when i see a lot of people who just really basically they blackball Kaepernick and they didn't agree with his stance and they didn't want to hear him out didn't even want to understand that he said he was kneeling instead of sitting down to show respect because as a as a player when somebody's hurt on the field to show respect we take a knee as a even if you look in medieval times when the knights showing respect to the king and queen they take a knee and so like uh, I think what was kind of misunderstood with Kaepernick especially and I'm gonna give Kyle a moment to get his connection back on because I, I want to hear him this whole question G because I think that's that's an important point because athletes especially um we have a powerful platform and we're able to influence a lot of people with that platform and so we have to use it wisely and even in the face of criticism knowing that we may be sacrificing or maybe a chance that we don't get all of the opportunity that we deserve we have to continue to push forward and we got to continue to to fight against anybody that's trying to stop it it's like i can't i can't consciously get up every day and and feel like i'm making the most of my situation if i don't fight for people who have less than me right like, if I don't find a way to stay inspired, to be inspired and to stay inspired, then it's, it's completely pointless, bro. It's like, I'm going to run out of the energy I need to keep going and to keep making this happen. But I got my stream back going now, man. So we can go ahead and add Kyle back. So Kyle, I want to get you in on this question. It's like, with, with Kaepernick, I, it's twofold. Um... What are your thoughts just just previously and now on his whole protest and stance to to make change? And then also as a former athlete, like what do you think about athletes speaking up and trying to make some type of change in the in the world? Yeah, I, I think that I mean I think it's hypocritical for people to say use your platform and then disallow athletes to do that because uh, I mean people who have institutions that are theirs that like organizations they own whether it be a really successful restaurant or a you know uh, financial business or whatever the case may be they donate to causes right Mm -hmm. a lot of times they'll donate for tax breaks a lot of times these organizations will do things to fulfill interest of shareholders which i think is exactly what the nfl did at first yeah (laughs) they look at their if they look at their shareholders i think that they looked at the amount of support and it, and they became essentially a politically integrated or organization, right? Mm-hmm. Because what they did was it's, it's like a different type of a lobby. You know, they lobbied for, for this, they lobbied for that. And, uh, you know, military had donated so much money. They, they cared more about the optics of it. Um, I, I hate that and, whole military deal with the NFL, bro. Cause it's, it's, it's money, it's, dude. It's not you know, right it's just, <laughs> It, no, no, and it's all incentivizing, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think here, here's what I here's what I understand. At first, I was like, well, why is it even involved? What, like, why, 
why is the anthem involved in it and why are certain things like why is it integrated with the military mm-hmm. one it's money yeah. but two two i don't think there's anything wrong with being appreciative that the sacrifices our military makes allows us to appreciate recreation and leisure like sports but mm-hmm. but the fundamental thing that allows us to be american is our first amendment right and that first amendment right is to peace includes uh, peaceably assembling mm-hmm. and he wasn't even assembling he just <laughs> took a knee i mean it wasn't it, i think i think then the way in which he did it, it it outraged people but then it's like all right so now go ahead tell me how i should protest and then it's like tell me how i should do this and then tell me how i should do that and that's the thing that gets tough too with with people who talk about uh, and I want to come back to Ka- Kaepernick, but I'm going to answer it in like a patterned way, like my mind thinks sometimes. So people presume he did it because he wasn't getting playing time or he they're making all these presumptions and assumptions based on implicit stuff that they don't know. Maybe it's true, but they don't know. So then people could look at me being white and say, oh, he, he gained what he got because he because he is white. And I'm sitting here going, man, my mom, my stepmom. First of all, I was raised by my a single mom early on, so I had kind of chips stacked. My parents got divorced. I bounced around the country. Um, my dad uh, was very blue-collar. Um, now he's in construction, still very blue-collar. My stepmom, when my dad and stepmom got divorced, she was on food stamps trying to put herself back through college, and she's now radiology tech. I mean, if you judge a book by its cover, you're gonna miss the you're gonna miss the meat. Mm-hmm. So. I mean, I think with Kaepernick, I think he brought attention to a lot of things going on at the time that were suspect. Eric Garner getting killed, Trayvon Martin. Um, a lot of these people, it's like, dude, it's so petty to try to even prosecute someone hawking fake knockoff cigs. Like right. what? Like it goes back to we have too many. We have that's predatory, right? We have too many bullshit, like little tiny minuscule laws that you wonder what's okay what's the utility of this is the utility of this really to protect serve and make the community safer or to oppress people or is it to uh, anyone yeah Mm -hmm. anyone to be hyper hyper regulatory you Mm -hmm. know monetize it it's it's bullshit even george floyd right so like uh there's there's like conflicting stuff out there that oh he was super high he was he was foaming at the mouth he was convulsing the dude got called in because he used a counterfeit 20 during a global pandemic because he got laid off from his job. A cop, a cop can't go, all right, let's get him medical attention because we're in a pandemic, but let's go ahead and like work with work with them on, on this whole ordeal here. Mm-hmm. It's a $20 bill, man. He got a meal. Like, God, where's the humane? Like, I'm not even trying to virtue signal, man. I just, it logically does not make sense to me. And I'm from Minnesota, man, from Minnesota and Georgia. So that shit hurt me deeply because, and and also then people go, they'll lump Minnesotans into a category, man. And before all this happened, there's a, there's a literal cultural saying, Minnesota nice, Mm. because people there it's so cold and it's such a, by and large, it's very rural community. They'll give you the shirt off their back, man. They'll stop and help you when your car goes into a ditch in the middle of the winter. You know, it's just, it's really strange how, a state known for its humanity loses it in a moment of of reckoning right there, you know? Yeah, and I think it's it's important, and I, I would advise you, too, just to learn more history yeah. about the Minnesota Police Department. I, yeah, I don't know anything about it, to be honest. Yeah. I never had a run-in. And 
with them in um yeah it's because i just i just i just read some just like it's no different than st louis honestly bro not in terms of the city i don't know the city but we're talking about police tactics and what you were just talking about with the jaywalking like those type of things go on in a lot of major cities in their police departments and I try to fight against my own programming against police because I know some good officers. I have friends, family members who have become police officers. And so how I look at it is I I look at police officers the same as I look at people. Like, I'm going to give you a chance to show me who you are. And once you show me, all right, I'm going to move accordingly. And when we have these situations that really pull out our morals, like, why would somebody want to defend that? Why would somebody try to just put George Floyd down or try to make the case for why it's okay? I think it, it wraps back around to one of our earlier points, our media programming, bro. Like, yeah. when people take it for granted or don't really understand how powerful it is when you constantly just see black men on TV portrayed a certain way in movies or in the news or... um you don't have these interactions with them and so you lose that humanity you have um that cognitive distance and you don't really you don't really equate humanity with us sometimes you don't see your brother or you don't see your your sister in that video or somebody being brutalized you just see a black person who probably did something wrong because that's what black people do and you have to challenge yourself you have to challenge the people who you know like if you got people around you don't always just cut them off again like we said earlier that cancel culture it doesn't promote any growth and I have conversations with people who are much more radical and conservative than you who are just like I just don't get it man like you black people got to do this and and I'm very poised and I'm very good at articulating and, and telling yeah. the perspective and I got a lot of knowledge on the history of the oppression so I could have that conversation with them tactfully but a lot of people can't and so a lot of people really never challenge them so that they grow past the shit that they're spewing and that's one thing I'm trying to do consistently is is be able to, to bridge that gap and especially during these times. And I, I want to wrap with this before we talk about what you currently got going on. Um, this pandemic, the COVID-19 has changed the way that we live life, um, where people work, how people go to school. Like, it's, nothing is going to be the same after this. Um, what's your whole perspective on it? How, how it hit, how it was handled, and how things are going to change going forward. Yeah. Um, again, just being the average run of the mill guy, I try to do my best to take care of my eight to five and in the projects that I got working on the side. So I try to stay informed to the best of my ability. Um, like you, I, I watch CNN and Fox and try to find the truth somewhere in the middle. I do think, unfortunately we are in a political, uh, election year. So, while this is a very real global health concern, um, it's, a, it's a part of the SARS-CoV type uh, coronavirus family. It's very, it's highly infectious as we see 
Um, it attacks people with a lot of uh, comorbidities, obesity, diabetes, uh, cardiopulmonary ailments, um, genetic uh, predisposition to, to falling ill, the elderly. Um, it's odd too, right? Because there's other diseases in circulation. There's other human behaviors that lend themselves more to uh, detrimental ways of life, right? Obesity is in diabetes being one, which is we're both in fields trying to help increase movement, increase competence over your own personal vessel um, when it comes to preventative health. But I think it's really, it's really weird too, because uh, we need to allow small business to get a footing. Mm -hmm. And so it just shows you that, our country is built on a bunch of rebels. It's like you can't even comply and just wear a mask right now. And I get, I get their their concern. Like right now, it's a mask. Then it's track and trace. Then it's wear. Then it's see who. Then it's like a social experiment to see who will comply with law. Then it's a, you know. Then it's like who who's going to get a vaccine? We're going to get everybody vaccinated. All the while, man, it is. It's it's just an infectious disease spreading, and we will probably need to get vaccinated for it. It's like this hyper skepticism that's really weird when a hundred thousand plus people have already died in New York. Right. Um, it's just, it's super bizarre, but I will say it then becomes an economic issue that I highly disrespect because I don't think that we value in this country enough, the reality of the growing wealth disparity. Um, because I think race issues can be, I don't like to oversimplify. I think it's a poverty issue. I really do because you talked about generational wealth being passed down. Mm-hmm. Like, I, there's a lot. There's probably a staggeringly larger um, white wealth inheritance than there than certainly there is black or minority, right? Mm-hmm. And like that allows momentum for you to be able to pass on that inheritance, not only of knowledge, mm-hmm. money is just information, mm-hmm. right? So it's just a different form of information that you're able to pass on to to be able to leverage that. And then you have these networks, right? The Ivy networks that are, you know, my kid went to Yale, just seeing Yale gives him a leg up. And Mm -hmm. it's just these, these different ways to create the same leg up. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, so, but if you look at this, this disease, why are we not empowering every single person to be able to go to the gym in Louisiana just had a statistic that drew um, that was published in the New York Times that drew a causal link to 400 infections happening at bars and nightclubs. And there's only, that's just in Louisiana. Mm. And there's a, there's only like 118, according to the study, nationally confirmed, nationally confirmed cases caught from gyms that they can't even directly link to gyms. Right. So you would rather people be turning up, compromising their immune system, uh, ingesting depressants, mm-hmm. then canceling Alcoholic Anonymous meetings because you can't have small group gatherings like that in closed right. spaces, canceling mm-hmm. their ability for mental health and their mental outlet at the gym, mm-hmm. and then you're wondering why domestic violence has gone up when you remove them from the workplace, mm-hmm. and that now they're at home. I mean, like, look, man, this administration has botched it in a lot of ways, and that's like... All these ideas too, just, uh, I know I'm kind of going off on a little bit of tangent here, but all these ideas too, they're not even necessarily mine. Like any idea that anybody has based on their political disposition, based on how they orient their lives, I think it's really important to 
try not to tie yourselves so tightly to an idea that you can't you can't exit it if mm-hmm. it, if you your your mind changes or you can't you know abandon it and i think the same thing needs to be said with our political affiliations and when when you're able to acknowledge that and and just have some mobility of thought and not really feel like i'm defined by my ideas that that resonated with me cuz i know that I read I read a quote quote before that said I'm wise because I know I know nothing. And Boom! That's it. That's yeah. how I try to live my life, man. Mm-hmm. And, and just keeping that consistent, open mindset, and just trying to stay fluid with this, man. Because like, it is gonna be a moment we look back on history and we are gonna see how did everybody handle it from a personal health standpoint, from a, a business standpoint. Um, from a, just a new change of, I would say a new, a new vision for yourself because initially I did have a lot of ideas mapped out and planned that had to take a pivot, and I kept expecting it to pivot back. Like, <laughs> all right, it's gonna in about a month or two. All right, in about three months it'll get back. But now I'm getting much more permanent and intentional with this being the normal like us not having the same type of interactions we probably will everything probably will open up again one day but with us not having that end date and us not challenging ourselves to stay uh productive in this moment then it's like now you're you're doing yourself a disservice because getting comfortable and and, and sitting back and just riding the wave that that's only gonna get you so far. You gotta start paddling if you want to get to your goal. Now, for you, um, me and you met at Exos, like, and it was a point where I felt like Exos was my dream job. And like, once I got here, it was gonna be like I'm gonna ride the wave, basically. <laughs> so now I'm at a point where I really feel like I have to continuously add value and inspire people after me and do things that I know are beneficial but don't really take away from my lifestyle. So when I'm doing this podcast, I enjoy having conversations. Why not have a podcast? I, I'm trying to eat healthy and do things that increase my uh, spirituality and my mobility. So I started Alkaline Activated. It's not hard to put that into my everyday lifestyle. Um, for you, I want to touch on two things. What was it like for you when... You, you moved on from Exos and I don't know if that was a dream job for you or just how high you put it up. What was it like just moving past a, a point in your life where you thought you were going to be the happiest? And then what do you think that you have to consistently do to take care of yourself in terms of keeping your health and wellness up? Great questions. Uh, first and foremost, Exos was an unbelievable opportunity. It used to be called Athletes Performance Institute when I joined the team, and uh, I was I just marveled at how thoughtful and well mapped out the vision was of um, to provide the best uh, facilities, systems, and professionals seamlessly integrated to enhance overall performance. I think that was the original mission back in the day. I might have missed missed some some points here and there. But uh but that just resonated deeply with me and then seeing the four pillars 
um, from which to build a house, mindset, nutrition, movement, and recovery, they can't really be disputed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think uh, surrounding myself with some of the best professionals in that space was just mind-boggling to me. And it wasn't like they didn't just give me the job because of the color of my skin, my experience, or anything like that. I had to, I bugged them. Marty Weems, I would not leave Marty Weems alone for like a month. And then I just showed up there randomly one day um, at the facility and dressed nicely and was like, hey, I'm here to uh, just wanted to put let you put a face with the name and, and let you know I'm going to earn this position. <laughs> and then I shot a video at Chase Field for my boss at the time, Chris Dubeck, because I wanted to just create a distinction, do something different. Um, and I discussed uh, the four pillars and how I thought they were pivotal and how my life related to that and how I felt I could add value. So I think the marketplace still by and large, even though there are some restrictive and constrictive elements based on race, gender, creed, all different types of things like that, I think they will pay you in direct conjunction to the amount of value you'll be able to add, you know, a lot of times, a lot of times. Um, but yeah, I still want to give credit to that. The other you know, outlying circumstances that are there. Um, but for me, I then started to shift and realize like, this was the best path since I couldn't continue playing ball. This was the best path to still be around things that I enjoyed, taking care of my my human body aesthetically, like looking good. But have, having undergone a lot of orthopedic surgeries, it allowed me to understand the functionality of, of moving properly, of, of how fueling effectively and efficiently can leverage your performance and your recovery and you got to be intentional with your recovery even so all those things man they're just such forward thinking such brilliant people that i i'm I'm still humbled to this day to be around and then i think the other opportunity was i realized okay i had tackled the preventative health and human performance space now wanted to tackle the conventional medical space and be around surgeons and uh Yeah. And so Kyle was just touching on how he wanted to continue to grow and get to that next point where you felt like, I'm still learning more about the human body. I'm still able to just progress when it comes to human performance. And that's a whole different industry. And a lot of times people, they fall on their face trying to get into that medical space. But um, Kyle, he's the type of guy that I've always known to, to move with intentionality and build relationships that even if I don't know everything I need to know, I'm going to be around the right people. You feel me? I'm going to be able to build up some type of value with them so that they trust me to get this job done. I know I won't always have um, the ability to get it done myself, but I can't act like it's not, it's not possible. So I have to surround myself with people who have done it and, and who are willing to give me some game. Because everybody that's done it ain't always willing to give you the game. It's like, they may have their own tutors, their own people who they trying to work with, but that don't mean it's meant for you all the time. And so, now I got I got Kyle back on. My bad about that, Kyle. But um, I wanted to get back to that question with you for the the second part of that when you were moving on from Exos and you had um, been somewhere and you were getting into that medical space, um, can you can you keep expanding on that? Because 
how did you find that new passion? Like, I know Exos had you fired up when you used to want to go to work and, and get to do that every day. And it may be a different vibe in the medical space. It may not be around the athletes and you may not be able to work out and train like you want to all the time. Like, what was it to find a new passion or are you still trying to figure that out? You dark out? Oh, I got you back now, G. I was just talking to myself again. But uh, I, I heard you say that you had transitioned into the medical space. Um, how did you f make that a new passion, though? Because it's, it's different than EXOs being around the pro guys and being able to train all the time. How did you stay fired up for that once you moved on from what you thought was the, the perfect space? Yeah, no, I just saw it as an opportunity to enhance my exposure so I was in the preventative space and then now I would dabble in the conventional space I would understand the inner workings of it uh, from a business perspective and then also Exos was getting really really big so I think uh, when certain companies get really really big it's tough to have a clear path or be able to create a career path a clear career path in terms of gainful employment upward mobility leadership and things like that um, and, uh, sometimes I think, yeah, you need different exposure to create a more well-rounded, uh, toolkit for yourself. So I wanted to be around highly trained orthopedic surgeons and specialists and neurologists and, uh, family care doctors to see, you know, how they were solving problems. And by and large, there's a huge necessity for conventional medicine, especially in the diagnostic space that, that I'm, I'm a part of because, you know, we provide MRI, CT, sonos, and x-rays. And usually that's one of the first lines of defense for people nowadays because you got to peek behind the curtain to know what's going on. Oh. Um, and so, but, you know, there's things about it that are fantastic, especially in times of a pandemic like this. You know, you need acute care. You need mm -hmm. hospitalizations. Uh, you need those resources available. Um, it has turned me off a little bit to... Uh, to the point where I'm not trying to be a critic of it, but I realized the holistic, fully integrated move is more for me. And tackling things first and foremost from an emotional, psychological standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so that's why, uh, personally, uh, I have a company called She and You Holistics. Um, and uh, I joined uh, and partnered with my buddy Yusuf Holloway, who has his own uh, sports performance facility in Fort Smith, Arkansas. So I liked the model that Exos had to have a brick and mortar facility to be able to kind of test pilot some equipment if you want to do partnerships or sponsorships. Um, but mainly just so that, you know, I could support him in his programming methodology and things like that, but use that as the physical um, pillar within the organization, the, that brick. Um, so it's an acronym that we created called the EPIC Roadmap mm -hmm. because I think everything we do, we need to create a roadmap. And where you begin is not always at your best or at your worst. Where you begin is where you are. Yeah, um, that's a fact. And so, and so each one of the pillars within the acronym of the EPIC Roadmap, emotional, physical, intellectual, and contextual, mm -hmm. um, I think is a, is a critical component. Oh, absolutely.
dropped out again, man. But I'm gonna get his his website up for y'all. It's called sheandyou.com. Let's get that up on the board. So Kyle get his connection back. And it's it's dope that he was able to understand that his value and what I'm learning here at Exos, and this is how I'm gonna build a business. And if it doesn't work out here, then I have a plan. I gotta, I have actual knowledge that I've gained from this position. Like I wasn't just here to um, make y'all some money. I actually made myself better from this position. And that's not common, you know? Like a lot of times we'll go into a job and, and be working for them. And I understand that we need to be working for ourselves. If you at work every day and you haven't compiled a list of of responsibilities and um, just everyday things that you have to achieve at work, write that down, G, so that when you go to the next space, you can really say, this is what I do. I ain't talking about a resume where you just list all the things that you accomplished at work. No, tell them what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Explain to them how important this is and why nobody else could do this better than you because you've been the one holding it down at your space, at your, um, whoever you working at. I think that's how you got to look at this, man. You can't look at it as, um, I'm just here to get a check. I'm here to make myself a better individual, 100% around the board. And if you get to that point and you know that I, I've accomplished what I need to at this job, then you comfortable moving on. It ain't no thing. You know what I'm saying? It's cool. Y'all take y'all little y'all salary back and I'm gonna move on to my next move. But we can't consistently just feel like, nah, gee, this is this ain't gonna work because of the anxiety at work or because of um somebody else hating on you at work. Like forget all that nonsense. Know what your goal is. Know that you using them. They ain't using you. They is not using you. Keep that plan. Keep that consistent and, and keep it Write it down on the mirror if you got to. Put it somewhere you're going to see every day. But you can't consistently act like you don't have the ability. We got the ability, G. I'm going to see if Kyle jumped back on, man. But I I feel like we are in a time and in a day where if you're not trying to put together your, your personal business plans... If you're not trying to empower your people, then you ain't going to last, bro. What you're doing right now ain't going to last. If it ain't about building some ownership or empowering your people, you might as well pivot. Or listen to somebody that is doing that and figure out how you can start doing it. That's all I got for y'all today, man. I hope Kyle come back and join us because... I want to be able to really shout out his businesses. I'm going to throw up a banner real quick because I know he does have some great quality products and services on there. So uh, when y'all get a chance, y'all check out sheandyou.com and see what you can learn from them, bro. Like, it's important to see a different perspective. Like, Kyle was somebody that anytime that he started, uh, a venture or had an idea, we'll rap about it. And okay, now we got him back on now. 
Cool, cool. We all good. So, so Kyle, I went to. I was talking to the audience about your business when, when you dropped off. Do I got that spell right on the banner? Yes, sir. All caps, but it's it's all the same. Oh, okay. um, is it? Is there a website? Is there a website for it? Yes, sir. She she and you dot com. S H E A N D Y U dot com. She and you dot com. And we will, and we will share um, blog contents for any of your listener base that would like to contribute. Um, if they're experts, aficionados, or just generally interesting people who have a, a story to share, we'd love to give them a voice to do so. Um, and they can contribute under any one of those uh, pillars uh, or what we're calling checkpoints on the roadmap to whole health. Um, and so I think it's pivotal. Just the one thing I wanted to touch on, um, your emotional health is comprised of two characteristics that it loads on, which are your feelings and your intuitions. Your physical health is comprised of both how you fuel for life, for sport or general human activity, and then how you move. So moving for sport, life or rehabilitation, and then intellectually that that health domain is comprised of um like stem mm -hmm. don't drop on me again man i'm starting to feel like it might be my connection maybe it is my connection but we're gonna talk through it because I really want to know what that intellectual health <laughs> depends on because I know for a fact I need to know all of the additional tools I can add to my bag. I would think it would have to do with some type of um, just content consumption because I know that's that's what he's big on is the content that we put out, the content we consume. And so anytime that I'm able to up my intellectual value, it's probably through some content. And if if you aren't able to, to find the right content to absorb, you're starting in a good place with the podcast, you feel me? But uh, I would also recommend that you, you find different sources than you usually go to, right? So don't always watch that same news station. Um, none of that. I think we got we got him back again. Yeah, we got him back again. So we we can finish up with you, Kyle. I wanted to make sure we did. So you was on intellectual. I'm literally yeah. I'll def. Go ahead, go ahead. So yeah, I'll definitely uh, definitely want to just wrap it up here because I've never had this many problems. I think it's because we're getting too real on it. Yeah, it might be, um, man. It might be. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the uh, the intellectual component of whole health, the two things it loads on, is kind of the STEM type stuff or like just general cognition of your mind. Uh, mm -hmm. So like engineering, mathematics, anything that's comprised within that wearable tech is our most recent blog post on that. And then uh, the uh, the aesthetics. So like art, if you're if you're just driven towards art, maybe you're a tattoo artist, maybe you like to write poetry, anything like that. Maybe you're a rapper, a musician. We want to highlight that aspect of the human condition to whole health and then contextual. I think. The biggest thing is we often don't know our value structures as people or maybe it's been indoctrinated within us based on whatever religion we, we were brought up in. But I think fundamentally I want to be inclusive, so I called it the, the contextual tab because mm -hmm. I think everything is relevant uh, based on the context. I don't think content is king. 
as much as context is king because context really? okay. is illuminating, is right? Mm-hmm. So within that scope of whole health, I think you'll find ethics and you'll find spirituality. So religion can be in, encompassed within spirituality. Mm-hmm. And that can be anything that you can enlighten us about however you were brought up or what uh, value system is, is comprised within that. Mm-hmm. And then ethics. I think ethics, you know, are really interesting right now um, as it relates to, you know, feeding your family during a pandemic or, mm-hmm. you know, like, so there's a lot of things to unpack there. And I think I'm just really excited to continue to, to ramp it up because I think uh, for anyone looking to start a business, it's a great way to keep your overhead down and try to maybe align with companies that you believe in as far as ad dollars or, um, you know, partnerships and linking up like that. So, man, gee, and like, um, I, I'm definitely tapped into what you got going on, bro. And I want to figure out how we can collab, especially when you talk about that intellectual side and, and STEM specifically, because uh, that's just what I love. I'm a, I'm a self-proclaimed nerd. So, all I love that. it, man. And um, I, I definitely we're gonna we're gonna touch base offline because, like I say, I'm trying to have my nutrition service and ability to start some type of health and wellness, um, like lifestyle for my family. And I think it's important to to lead by demonstration with it. And if I'm if I'm not leading by demonstration, then um, they're not really gonna. It's not gonna resonate the same way. And so. Um, we gonna tap in on that for sure, bro. I think. Did you freeze on me? Okay, yeah, he froze because he just had that face. It's always funny when people freeze on certain faces, bro. It looked like they was right in the middle of agreeing with you, but they was low key just froze. <laughs> but but real talk, man, Kyle, he 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 the type of person that you can depend on if if you need to just uh, get some real quality sound advice on your health and wellness. Um, if you need to make sure that you have some insight on to what are the right things to do to, to keep my mind, body, and spirit up, uh, seeing you is a great platform um, just for those blog posts, but also for some actual tools and some actual insights that not only give you some knowledge, but you can incorporate in how you live your life. Um, and that's what we need. More people putting out that type of context with the content like you said so that we can paint that whole picture and that we have multiple outlets and multiple resources to get what we need because it ain't no it ain't just one way to have an optimal human body like we're so different we're so unique but we also have so many systems that interact with each other we got our emotional state that affects our intellectual state that affects our physical state that affects our spiritual state and they're all interconnected. It's not like one doesn't affect the other. And we can't just pour into one more than the other. We got to continue to keep that uh, kind of balanced amongst them all, you know? So you got these different areas of your life that you're pouring into. If you neglect one too much, it's going to pull down the whole system. But if you overinvest in one, it's going to pull down the system as well. So. If you can't be full in everything, at least stay balanced. At least have some type of way that, you know, that we can consistently make sure that I have all of the aspects on the board covered. We got Kyle back now. But Kyle, I was saying, like, it's important that um, we have multiple outlets for information and have ways that 
tell us. We have all of these factors that contribute to human optimization, whether that be our physical state, our emotional, um, our spiritual. They all affect one another. And if you neglect one, it's going to pull down the system. Or if you overinvest in one, it's going to throw off the balance of the system. And so um, I'm, I'm like super excited just to see where your business goes, bro, because I know the type of person you are. And I know that you're super intentional with what you're doing right now. Um, the the last thing I want to leave us with, man, what's what's your vision for the company, she and you, and and what's your vision in terms of um, just keeping a, a optimal society somewhere where we can all win and we can all be at peace day to day. It's a great question. Yeah, it's for me. I think the best way to to do anything is to the best unit of measurement is one right so the individual so i just hope to educate the individual on ways to create a better path and map out a better path to holistic health Mm -hmm. have them integrate or inspire them to integrate these concepts within their own life so that they can then integrate themselves in a more healthy way family within their community and the greater uh, world they live in as a whole and then facilitate that growth in other people. And then the mantra that we go by is we want to educate, integrate, and facilitate because the roadmap to whole health starts and ends with you. So it's kind of our it's kind of our little uh, mantra. I love it, G. I love it, bro. I think that's that's a game plan that anybody could apply to their life. Just gotta get tapped in, man. And appreciate this is... that, man. And then the vision for it is to just do that. Just have as many i think conversation is currency so Mm -hmm. if i can have cool conversations if i can share quality information and be intentional with it have it fit that uh that roadmap that template that we're trying to lay out for people i think hopefully it'll create greater competence because i tend to see i tend to be more neutral on are people good or bad i think people are just we're we're grossly ignorant Mm -hmm. and then we're we're grossly ignorant until we become less ignorant that's Mm -hmm. just really what it is being being less being is minimizing our level of ignorance as a whole. I think that's what it is because you never really know how, how informed we can become because we're constantly becoming more and more informed, hopefully. So then competence, relatedness and autonomy. So I want, I want relatedness both to the information, Mm -hmm. to your experience as a human with your health and with the health of others. And then autonomy back to that. It starts and ends with you. I want you to feel empowered to be able to take control of the things that you can control. Um, and then let the let the rest fall by the wayside. Oh, gee, and and I can tell you done put some time into just that being able to explain it because because when when people have these visions and these grandiose ideas, sometimes it's like if you can't break it down and tell me why you're doing this and and what the purpose is and how it's gonna effectively change my life, then I'm probably not gonna have no buy-in and I'm probably not gonna wanna follow your 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 protocols because. I don't see your buy-in, but I clearly see your buy-in, Kyle G. And uh, thanks, man. I think this was this is a, a dope conversation, man. I I I got a lot from it personally. Um, I think our listeners got a lot of gems and just insight on everything from what it was like starting. Let me take it back. So I want to run down this whole thing we just talked about. So yeah. we tapped in. We talked about your journey to your conscious mindset we talked about um how people can 
understand that I my privilege may not be that I was a landowner or that um, I was elevated in society, but I can still acknowledge just the nuance and how I still have been able to be successful with some type of privilege. Um, when we got to the politics, bro, you, you opened up and you let me know some things that like I didn't completely understand because uh, I look at things as so finite and definitive, but uh, my goddamn internet just cut out for the last time on this, bro. But we about to jump right back in. And I'm going to wrap it up for him, man, because that just means we time to end, bro. But two hours, I think everybody got the the, the, the gems that they needed for today, man. And uh, to all my listeners, shout out to the to the brand, Real is Rare. Got Kyle to end it up, man. So uh, anything you want to tell the people before we jump off? Uh I think we covered a lot of good stuff. Uh, what I would say is, uh, I would say have some hope and just, just uh, regardless of your situation, um, try to do your best to know there's always more you can learn or understand about people, whether you be different, similar, um, or whatever, whatever the case may be. And then just, uh, I would try to add as much value as you can. Cause, cause like I said earlier in our conversation, my biggest thing is I want to, leave a mark on people in such a way that the inconvenience of traveling far distances to come to my funeral is, uh, is, is a no brainer for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, not worried about legacy or anything like that. I just want to hopefully honestly impact how people feel. Cause I think at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Tom Brady, Michael Jordan, one day, all these people will be forgotten. They'll be relics, but how they made people feel the, the, the type of feelings that they invoke. Um, I think that's what lasts. So, Oh, that's real, man. And I'm going to leave it on there before my internet cut out again on this bro. I hear you, man. But uh, we're going to be in touch, G, because like I said, we got yeah. some collabs to do. Um, and I want to get you some merch, bro. I got to get you a hat or something, G. Definitely. Something, I got so. you. You send me those masks? Yeah, did you, they, they, they should be in today. Like, like check okay, your cool. mailbox later today. I'm not just saying this for the show. I'm saying this for real life. Like, nah, I'm going <laughs> It should be there yes, today. Sir. And so uh, appreciate you, man. Anything I could do. Don't hesitate to reach out um, to the listeners. Appreciate y'all tapping in. And until the next time, it's double up. Appreciate it, bro. Take care. Yeah.